Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolf. Coming into the new year with an eye toward the transition and recovery from COVID-19 brings challenges and changes to education. Here to speak with us on critical issues are statewide policymakers, State Superintendent of Public Instruction, Catherine Truitt, Eric Davis, the Chair and Member at Large of North Carolina State Board of Education, Representative Ashton Clemens and Senator Kevin Corbin. I'd like to welcome to the show Representative Ashton Wheeler Clemens and Senator Kevin Corbin. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here. Thank you for having us today. Awesome. As you well know, the legislative long session is about to begin or really already kind of did. And so what do you see as the most critical education issues on the horizon? And I'd love to start with Representative Clemens. Uh, yes, thank you for having us. There are a lot of things that we have to tackle and think about in public education, but by far the most important is going to be how do we begin to recover from the devastating effects of COVID-19 on our students. Uh, so we already know that many of our most vulnerable children were not succeeding at the rates that we needed them to when looking at reading and math proficiency. And so many of the challenges that were before COVID have now just been magnified significantly. So many of our children are going to have physical health needs, mental health needs that have just increased over this time period. Uh, and we know that they've had inconsistencies with education that's the, at best. Um, and so I think our number one priority is what are we going to do to think proactively for how we enter the, when we are able to be together, to be efficient and effective with our resources to get our students uh, moving at a trajectory that a pace that gets them to where they need to be. I think that's our most important thing uh, that we'll be facing this, this legislative session. Thank you. And Senator Corbin, what are your thoughts? Absolutely. Well, I couldn't agree more with uh, Representative Clemens. Uh, she's exactly spot on. Uh, we have got to uh, address how we're going to move forward. You have kids that were that were started that were in kindergarten that now need to move to first grade, kids from third grade need to move to fourth grade, and they don't have those skills. And, and quite frankly, I think we just have to be realistic that uh, the virtual learning, especially in my region, very rural, uh, eastern, far western and far eastern North Carolina was uh, that was very poor at best. And uh, I think we all admit that I was talking to my, uh, my hometown uh, school superintendent this morning. And he was talking with his principals about uh, they're, they're going back to uh, in-person learning tomorrow and how they're going to do that, how that's going to look. Uh, so that's uh, extremely important that we continue to address that and provide funding to our local school systems uh, for things like Internet, which is so important. So Representative Clemens is exactly right. Representative Clemens, as we go into the legislative session, how do you anticipate the House of Representatives addressing the immediate needs? And then also these longer term goals, which you both have referenced, and in particular, some of those that were identified in the Leandro short term action plan. I hope that we will approach it similarly to how we approached it in March. Um, Speaker Moore created working groups that were focused specifically on COVID response. Those had bipartisan leadership, um, and I was honored to be one of the leaders in the House on that work. And in that work, uh, Representative Horn, Representative Fraley, and I spent a lot of time talking to educators, talking to teachers, talking to principals, talking to school superintendents, like Senator Corbin just said, talking to our schools of education, and 
all of the work we do needs to be focused on solutions that are grounded in what is happening in the schools across our state. And I hope that that is how we will approach the work moving forward this session. Great. And Senator Corbin, after your years of service for your local school board and also in the House of Representatives, how do you anticipate the Senate approaching these key education issues, including COVID-19, but also those longer-term equity issues set forth in the Leandro Short-Term Action Plan? Sure. One, one thing that I've noticed through the years that I really would like to address is the way that we fund uh, classroom teachers to school systems. So for, for now, uh, you have one teacher for every 18 uh, third graders, for example. Well, I've got Highlands School that's in, in my district. It's a small, it's a K, small K-12 school. Well, because of those numbers, they have about 20 kids in kindergarten, in first grade, in second grade, and in third grade. So I have to have two teachers for every, and that two teachers with about 10 kids per classroom uh, because of the state mandate, but we don't fund it. Uh, so what happens is in Macon County schools, um, we, we fund about 25 or 26 locally paid teachers uh, at, you know, uh, 50,000 plus per teacher and that's local money. So that's unfair. That's one thing I think we need to address moving forward is how we fund teachers and then another subject maybe for another day is talking about the, the bricks and mortar that I think the state needs to help with that whether it's a bond or pay-as-you-go type plan I think we need to address that in, in the short term. And I think um, whatever we call it the the strategies that we have to work on are how do we get as Senator Corbin said how do we get the people in front of our kids that need to be there? We need to understand that in a crisis, we have more need for social workers and mental health therapists than we even did before. Um, and I, the other thing I just wanna add is, every time I talk to an educational leader, they are very concerned with the workforce and the pipeline of educators, educators, school psychologists, school nurses, all of our positions, they are very concerned. Before COVID, they were concerned, but they have, many have seen increased retirements due to COVID. And so I think another big thing we need to work together to tackle is how do we increase the workforce that we have for our schools. I wonder if either of you have some specific recommendations or hopes in what the General Assembly might do to support that. Well, of course, the, the thing we always talk about is teacher pay, and that's been uh, something discussed by both political parties through, through the years. Uh, we've made some significant progress the, the four years that I've been there. Uh, we have uh, we've made some significant progress as far as teacher pay, but I think there's more we need to do. We've moved from we've moved from the bottom uh, up a little bit, but we need to continue to to do that. And it's not just about pay; uh, it's about uh, work environment, uh, classroom size, all those issues I mentioned before. How we how we fund uh, our local teachers in the school system, giving our superintendents more flexibility. There's a whole uh, list of things I know we don't have time to go into, but uh, those are all things I think we need to address. And, and I, I agree. And I would say um, the taking away of healthcare retirement benefits is just um, insult to injury to our educators right now. I feel that way. It's going to make it more challenging to recruit. Um, I think one of the re one of the things that we, you know, when I went into teaching, I was a teaching fellow at Chapel Hill, and that was one of the things you thought, right? I would be able to retire and have these benefits. So I think that's going to be an increased challenge. 
The DRIVE Task Force has some very specific recommendations about diversifying our teacher workforce. I hope that we will consider some of those. There are a lot, so I think we're going to need to prioritize. Um, but there also are creative things like the advanced teaching roles that are happening across our state to give teachers a true, to approach teaching as a true profession where you can grow and learn and impact more kids without necessarily leaving the classroom. And I think the more we are creative, um, paying teachers the professional uh, pay that they deserve, but are creative about what it looks like to continue to grow in our profession, the longer that we will keep them with us um, and the more attractive it will be to new people that are coming in. As we consider the focus on public education's roles in communities during COVID-19, I feel like it's just been a constant part of the conversation overall. How do you see the impact, the uh, pandemic impacting public education in the long term? So obviously it, it impacts us because of in-person, the lack of in-person teaching. That is so critical. And as, as uh, Representative Clemens knows from being a, a teacher, uh, that those teachers need to be in front of those kids. And until we can get to that point, which they tell us is gonna be herd immunity or immunization, which is coming very slowly as we know, um, I think our education system is gonna to continue to be impacted, not only K-12, but higher education as well. Uh, we have uh, we have a whole generation of kids that are being affected. Uh, I guess the upside to it, if you look at it this way, everyone is is kind of affected at the same time. It's not like some groups are affected and some aren't. I do think there's some inequity as far as our rural kids. Um, I speak for my region because of the lack of internet. Uh, we have to continue to try to get internet out there. I know Representative Bobby Hannig, who represents Manio. I represent Murphy. And we uh, and Ashton will remember we came to the K-12 Education Committee and kind of kicked and screamed and asked for a hundred million dollars for internet uh, access. Uh, we didn't get a hundred million, but we got thirty. So we have thirty million that's now being spent, and it's being spent in my district as we speak today to to hook these kids up, and that's so critical uh, to move forward. So we're gonna have the immediate academic impacts that we know if we don't figure out a plan for will continue to affect kids. But we also, I'm particularly concerned about our high school juniors and seniors um, that principals are afraid or we're going to lose from getting that graduation. And we need our long-term economic success and their well-being depends on them graduating. So we need to focus on that. And we have 15,000 less kindergartners than we expected um, and half the amount of kids in pre-K. So if we think about that long-term, that could have another big impact. So those are just two areas in particular we've got to be having a plan for it if we don't want them to negatively impact our state moving forward. Well, thank you both so much for being here. And I also want to thank you for bringing the perspective and just your critical look at these issues. Um, we are very fortunate to have you both um, in our General Assembly. After the break, we will continue the discussion around ensuring all students have access to a sound basic education with our new superintendent, Katherine Truitt, and Eric Davis, the chair of our State Board of Education. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives. Joining us now are Catherine Truitt, our State Superintendent of Public Instruction, and Eric Davis, the Chair and Member at Large of the North Carolina State Board of Education. Thank you both for being here today. As the new State Superintendent of Public Instruction, 
What are your top education issues that you hope to work on before the end of the school year? That's such an important question, Marianne. Um, I would say that, <clears throat> pardon me, we're looking at everything through the lens of COVID recovery. How are we going to support our superintendents, our principals, our teachers, our parents, our students in learning loss recovery from, from COVID? Um, how are we going to measure it? How are we going to respond to it? Um, and I, I would say that there are there were some things that I had in mind for, for this legislative session uh, that I would have done anyway, but they are particularly important uh, in light of COVID and the learning loss that's occurred. And I wonder, Superintendent Truitt, if you'd like to share a couple more thoughts on some of your priorities even longer term, because I know you've come in with some really important ones as well. Yeah, thank you. If I were to describe them in, in buckets, which is kind of how I like to think of them, um, the first one is, is literacy. We have um, data that shows us that only 67% of, I'm sorry, 67% of students of eighth graders in our state are not reading nor doing math proficiently headed into high school. And um, furthermore, we are seeing um, very low percentages of students um, who can actually achieve a 17 or higher on the ACT, which is the minimum admission requirement for a UNC system school. And so we're, the, the consequences of that are that we're, we are creating um, a haves and have not situation in terms of who can pursue a four-year residential college experience and who cannot. So um, that all begins with literacy. So that, that certainly is, is my, my biggest priority. But longer term, I also want us to think about how we are assessing kids, how frequently, what are we using, and how that ties into our school accountability model, which I believe is broken and needs to change. As we begin the legislative session, what are the primary issues that the North Carolina Board of Education will be addressing this spring? Well, um, I think in the midst of all the current events that we've been dealing with, I think it's important for us as North Carolinians to realize that we are in a tremendous battle for talent. The global economy is, is brutally competitive and it doesn't care what your lineage is or what your geography is, you got to be prepared. And so it's, it's in all of our individual self best interest to have every child in North Carolina educated to compete and contribute. And that's the basis of the uh, state board and the agency's work. Over the past year, we committed to equitable education for all students and education of the whole child in every student. And some specific areas that we're working on is improving our literacy instruction and literacy performance by our students, particularly in the early grades. And on the other end of the spectrum, uh, rethinking, reimagining, and reinventing our assessment accountability system. And then right in between those two extremes, uh, to borrow a phrase from our superintendent, is an effective teacher and principal in every classroom with the support, the resources, and the professional development uh, needed to help them flourish in their career. So those are the few of the things we're working on. Um, and then COVID hit. 
And so we spent the last year obviously responding to that and, and uh, planning for how our students will recover over the next year from that experience. As we go into the legislative session, um, how do you anticipate the General Assembly approaching the needs due to COVID-19 and then the longer term goals that we want all of our students to have access to a sound basic education? So um, I, I, I think it's important to note that between 2014 and 2019, um, per pupil expenditure actually increased um, 20%. Um, with from the General Assembly, and yet we are still not seeing the student outcomes that we want to see. So really what I'm interested in doing alongside the General Assembly is, is looking at where we can pinpoint ways that we can either reallocate funding or increase funding that meets specific needs for turnaround efforts in specific places. And, and, and that to me is really what a good partnership with the General Assembly would look like. We're, we're really grateful for the support we've received from both the state and the federal government. Uh, we were able to provide our schools around $400 million of federal funds. And based on the most recent legislation, there's another 1.6 billion coming over the next uh, two and a half years for our students. So we're grateful to our federal government. We also really appreciate the partnership in the General Assembly and um, throughout COVID, but, but even beyond recently, Senator Berger has announced uh, continued work on our literacy program and um, we're committed to working with him. That is a great step of leadership on his part and because uh, there are real opportunities to improve teacher preparation and, and student performance and literacy. And likewise, Speaker Moore has also come out in support of more time for education for our students, perhaps this summer. And I think both of those uh, leadership steps point to the fact that it's gonna be a multi-year consistent determined effort on the part of our state to overcome the effects of COVID. But right now we're off to a good start. How are you, um the you know working with the department of public instruction and district superintendents to support the needs of our students staff and educators well i'd start by um, saying on behalf of my colleagues on the state board we're delighted to be partners with superintendent truett she brings a terrific fresh energy and and courage and commitment to educating all of our students across north carolina and i couldn't ask for a better partner um, with her, we and the talent that she has brought into the agency and retained in the agency shows that DPI is a terrific place to work and contribute to our state. And likewise, the partnerships that we've built and strengthened over the, particularly the last year with COVID with local superintendents, principals, teachers, and other agencies, particularly the Department of Health and Human Services, Secretary Cohen and Chief Deputy Gail Perry are just really important for us to continue going forward. Uh, one of the things uh, I really like about what uh, Superintendent Truitt has advocated for is a advisory group made up of teachers and a similar one made up of principals. I think that combined with our close working relationship with Jack Hoke and the Superintendent Association, along with the School Board Association and, um, and teachers will really help us going forward. And I would just put forth a, uh, request or an invitation may be better for continued feedback from any of our teachers, principals, parents, 
and students. When you send us an email, it helps us serve you better. Lastly, I'd just love to hear how you and your team are working with the state board, district superintendents, and others to support the needs of our students, staff, and educators. Yeah, thanks for that question. So I speak with, with board members regularly. Um, we've already had um, lo lots of conversations about things that are happening right now. We're, we're getting ready to adopt new social studies and history standards. Um, we have talked a lot about literacy and the, the task force that was created um, last summer. Um, I, I speak with superintendents regularly. Uh, I spoke at, at their conference um, uh, back in December. And also um, I've been able to engage with the RISAs quite a bit, those regional supports for superintendents. Um, it's really just about listening right now, Marianne, and, and um, letting them know that I am their lifeline and their support um, when it comes to this long session in the General Assembly, as well as helping them find ways that, that we can best support their students and, and teachers. Thank you so much. And we so appreciate you being here. After the break, this week's final word. Public schools are the hubs in our communities, and over the past year, we have frequently highlighted ways that our public education system and partners have worked together to meet the needs of students, despite the challenges posed by the pandemic. We have invited students, teachers, parents, state district and school administrators, school board members, county and state elected officials, and education nonprofits and organizations to share the work they are doing in our local communities and across our state each and every day. We have heard consistently about the innovative approaches to support our students, but also that COVID shines a bright light and often exacerbates the inequities that have existed among our students for a long time. As we look toward this legislative session, I am reminded by the theme that has emerged in every discussion, in every episode in the past year. No one person or one entity can do the hard work to address the needs of our students, schools, and districts on their own. Today, we had the chance to hear from State Superintendent Truitt, Chair Davis of the State Board, Representative Clemens, and Senator Corbin, all who are passionate about education and the work that must happen to ensure that every student in North Carolina has access to an excellent education that will empower and support them to reach their full potential. We are fortunate that our state, grounded in our Constitution, is committed to providing a sound basic education for all, and I am grateful that we have leaders who understand the integral connection between our public education system, our workforce, and the economic well-being of our state. As we look ahead, the key will be to focus on students, all of our students, to communicate with and listen to school, teacher, and district leaders, to address the issues that are critical in this time of COVID-19 and in the longer term, to follow through on the agreed upon steps outlined in the Leandro short-term action plan, and to work together to support the academic, social, and emotional needs of all of our students. Our leaders are acknowledging the importance of engaging in a period of COVID recovery, during which we have an opportunity to enact new and innovative reforms that strengthen our classrooms, while also ensuring that we keep our eyes towards lifting hundreds of thousands of children out of poverty and fulfill our constitutional obligation to ensure that all children have access to a high quality teacher, principal, and resources necessary for them to realize their true academic potential and lifelong success. Our education system has not paused for a moment, 
And by working together, we can provide the resources and policies needed to support them in the coming year in the transition and recovery from COVID-19. North Carolina is fortunate to have planned for the challenging year in terms of financial resources. And by working together, we can address the short and long-term needs with a keen focus on equity. Thank you for taking the time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.